Welcome to Chief Evangelist. I'm your host, Ethan Butte. I'm on a mission to explore and understand the role of the Chief Evangelist and the movement behind it. How should founders, investors, and C-suites be thinking about it? How does it benefit the company? Which companies and markets need evangelism most? What does the work involve? What does success look like? And who's a good fit as a chief evangelist? That's what we're exploring at chiefevangelist.com and in conversations like this one, which is brought to you by Ringmaster Conversational Marketing and their evangelist-powered podcasting package. Learn more at ringmaster.com. Today, we're learning from the chief evangelist at Alteryx. He led analytics teams with organizations like Nike and the Craft Brew Alliance. He served as an analytics evangelist with ProKarma. He spent a couple of years at PwC leading the technical execution of Alteryx. And to the book he's writing, the places he's speaking, and to conversations like this one, he brings passion, excitement, and raging optimism for analytics and data science. Joshua Burkow, welcome to Chief Evangelist. Thank you, sir. Nice to be here. Yeah, so glad we connected. I don't know a ton about analytics and data science. I, of course, have plenty of exposure as a relatively seasoned, generally speaking, business person. Yeah. I'm excited to, to, to get infected by your raging optimism for this topic. Before yeah. I ask you the standard opener, I'm going to deviate. Like, talk to me about raging optimism. Yeah. Uh, it's So I'm a pretty bubbly person by nature. I, I kind of joke that I'm naturally caffeinated. Um from the moment I wake up till, till I get going, a uh, very high energy person. So I try to preface that because, you know, not everybody's ready for it. Not not everybody, uh, you know, sometimes uh, been billed as extra on on a on a level. So uh, raging optimism is just my fun play on it is just knowing that that uh, I have a pretty sunny side, optimistic form of, of you know, perspective on things. Awesome. Well, that energy is contagious and I'm sure it's helpful to you in your role, um, which we'll get deep into, but we'll start now where sure. we always start, which is the most important job of a chief evangelist. What do you think that is? So I'm going to caveat it because right now there, as you well know, there's not a single version of a chief evangelist anywhere. Um, there no, I would argue no two chief evangelists or evangelists even are exactly the same. They bring a whole bunch of different things to the table. What I would say is at, a, at an aggregate level, I would probably argue that um, they're, you know, in my, in my realm, at least it's product oriented. So I, I, you know, we can talk about this more later, but I sit in product and my, my evangelism is evangelism of a software product. Um, and so I do spend a lot of time in that realm. So if I were to caveat and say, hey, that's my 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 the realm I play in, then the most important thing is showing the value or or spreading the message of the value of the product. So a major, major way to do that is via demos, you know, demonstrations of the product, um, talking about the different aspects of it, features of it, why it's why it makes sense for a customer to to want it. Where did your enthusiasm for data science and analytics at a high level and Alteryx in particular 
um, because you are deep into that as a product and as a as an ecosystem, uh, I'm sure, or platform. I don't know how you all think about it, but um, where did that passion come from? Um, so picked up early on that I, I was really into this idea that most things in life are a problem of sorts. And, and I don't mean problem in a negative context, but like something to solve some, you know, whatever happens in our, in our lives, what in business or personal, there are situations that we want to resolve in some way. So I've always kind of had that filter on. Um, and when I started working, I was working at a, at a global supply chain organization uh, for a really, really big company. And it was just, you know, the problems abound everywhere. And so I was just firing on all cylinders. I thought it was the coolest thing to be able to have these, you know, people state these problems saying, hey, we're trying to figure out this. We're trying to, you know, understand where these products are, how much value they're going to bring to to our company, all those sort of things that come in in a steady, steady flow. Um, I was just, you know, I was firing firing on all cylinders. I love that that aspect of it. Um, and that that having that foundation, if you talk to enough people that have been in analytics and data science long enough, that really have kind of gone through up the ups and downs of of learning um, the the industry, learning you know all the techniques and skills they need to to stick around. You'll find that probably ninety nine percent of them are all problem solvers at heart. They really like there's something really satisfying about about that. So that's my foundation. That's like at the end of the day, I don't like not knowing how something works. You know, I have a little bit of an engineering mind, problem solving mind. I want to figure out how those things work. I want to resolve those problems. Now, when it comes to all tricks, it, it was you know it's kind of a story I, I tell often as part of my my evangelism uh, out to customers and, and other users is that, you know, working at that same company, you know, I was putting in a good amount of hours and, you know, we're talking sometimes 70, 80 hour weeks. Um, and the most awkward thing about it was I was really excited about it. I was having, I have tons of energy, but I, I was enjoying every moment of it, but it was a lot. Like I was putting in some serious hours and I was like, yeah, probably, probably not going to be able to sustain this too long. Um, and I probably need to think about, you know, how this is going to work. And coincidentally, I remember it very vividly, like as if it was yesterday, it was a Friday afternoon. Um, it was one of those stressful days. And I was like, ah, this is going to be, you know, if we don't do something about it, this is going to be rough. I had a whole team of analysts. We we're all, you know, clicking on firing on all cylinders. And one of my coworkers came over and said, Hey, I saw this demo of this product that I think, you know, it could be good for me, but I think it'd be way better for you and ran through it in five, five or 10 minutes. And, and just, you know, it was one of those moments, honestly, Ethan, it, it sounds so absolutely ridiculous, but I love saying it because it, it feels like this it feels like the clouds parted doves flew out, sun shone down on my, my desk and like angels started singing because it was one of those moments where I was like, there's no way I was going to be able to go back. Like there was no way that I was going to be able to um, run everything manually, SQL statements, um, you know, working in Excel sheets and stuff. Like it was so far gone from that instant moment. So that was when obviously I, I learned about Alteryx and I, I became obsessed. I literally spent that whole weekend learning everything I possibly could because I part of it was I couldn't believe that I was thinking about this. And then all of a sudden it just appeared. 
um, that was kind of overwhelming in a, in a positive way. But it, it started this whole trajectory that I, I have yet to, um, you know, get bored with, yet to, to, you know, find anything that gives me that sort of satisfaction, that feeling or that, that ability. And even more so is, and we call this the aha moment. We, we call this in Alteritz lingo and, and uh, lore, if you will, it's that moment when it's like everything clicks and you're like, holy smokes, this is amazing. And, and I see it, you know, a couple of times a week, every week for customers and users that are just like, they, they finally get the same feeling. So really, really uh, love it. Love it so much. Awesome. There are so many things in there that tie back to, to short stories we've heard on, I don't remember what episode this is going to be. Let's call it like 20 something. Yeah. Um, this, 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 my life will never be the same transformative moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm thinking of Guy Kawasaki and the way he he talks about both Apple and, uh, in my opinion, slightly to a lesser degree, Canva. Um, not that it's any less, but like for him at that stage of his life, this 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 is transformative. I need and want to tell other people about it. And then it connects to so many themes that everyone has had, like this idea of you were a practitioner, you're a real person on the front lines, yeah. You're not a spokesperson for Alteryx. You're not a cre- content creator for Alteryx, although you may be creating content. We'll get into what exactly kind of like a good week, good month looks like for you. Um, it's this, I have been in the trenches. I have been on the wrong side of this and I've been on the right side of this. And I encourage you to explore the right side of this situation with me. And that includes Alteryx. Um yeah. How did you find, I mean, I know how you found them, but how did they find you? And I guess I'll layer into this, the idea that you uh, had the title of analytics evangelist with another company. When you joined Alteryx, you were, um, I believe, a a principal evangelist. Talk about um, that initial evangelist role, maybe what that looked like, and then... um, uh, then I think PwC was in the middle. I guess we don't need to do a history of it, but talk about this intersection of like, I don't see the world the same way. I don't do my work the same way. I'm super excited about this. I'm going to talk to a lot of people about it, but you had an evangelist title well before Alteryx. Yeah. It's actually super interesting because, and I think it's really important to call out from an evangelism point of view is that there are tons of people around that are super excited around whatever product they're using and and how many products are in the world, right? Like they're very excited. They could see themselves doing that for years and years and years, and they do so. The tweak to it or the interesting piece to it is that people like Guy, people like you, people like me, we can't sit still and just use the product. We have to go evangelize. We we're almost obsessive in, you know, not to take it too far to the extreme, but it's almost that feeling like I would be doing a great disservice to all those around me if I kept my mouth shut. Right? I have to evangelize. I have to go down the street screaming to the top of my lungs and saying this is the most amazing thing ever. Now, part of our role once we get further into evangelism is shaping that message so we don't sound like you know we're rattling on and babbling and all that we're starting to focus the message for starting to create a message that really you know is very potent like i can walk into a room give a presentation or a talk and in 40 minutes have the same results as you know just rambling on for two days now so that there's some 
element of of that that I think is really important to the idea of evangelism. With me, once I I, I did a couple roles, and I, I think I was so I've been using Alteryx, I think, pretty much nonstop for about eleven to twelve years now. So very um, you know obsessive is not outside the realm. Like I'm very deep into it and, and very passionate about it. Um, now, what was interesting is after a couple of years, I, I kind of, you, you imagine like I'm spending day and night thinking about this, figuring out, solving problems, learning the technical aspect of, of, of analytics and, um, you know, data preparation and, and data engineering, all this. And then I got into a point where I was like, okay, I, I think I understand how to solve all these type of problems in global supply chain. Was I the world's foremost expert? Absolutely not. But I was at a point where I needed, I always need to be more challenged, right? And so I went into a consulting role. And that's where I picked up the, this, you know, I was basically leading a, a team of Alteryx people, Alteryx uh, consultants, you know, going to a whole bunch of clients to, to, um, to deliver on analytics projects using Alteryx. And that was fun. But there was an element of it that was above and beyond just leading a team. It was more of like, Am I setting the stage and, and explaining the value and doing all these things, evangelizing um, like, like I wanted to? So I, I you know, worked with my boss and said, hey, you know, this is really where I think it's going. It's not too far outside of you know, fluffiness to, to uh, you know, call myself an evangelist. And, and you know, my personality and my ability to, to give talks and presentations and stuff kind of all tied into it. And so I became an evangelist in the sense that I was always going to be really deep in the product, really deep in the technical aspects of it, understanding how everybody uses it um, in all the various ways, but also starting to refine my ability to present, my ability to communicate, my ability to, to put a well-thought, well-structured argument together that says, hey, this is why this is so incredible. Um, and that really led to a whole bunch of other things afterwards. But that was really the beginning of, of that. It's like, okay, I've got the product, but I also want to be able to communicate on it. What were a couple of the resources or like, I mean, it depends, of course, on your learning style, but, you know, where did you go? Were there books? Were there courses? Like as you were trying to do that, or was it just something that you were conscious of and so the next time you had the opportunity you were just intentional about how you're improving like how did you go about that process of uh, because i i've talked with a number of people who like you were deep deep as practitioners they find themselves with this opportunity sometimes it's self-driven it sounds like yours was other times someone taps them or appoints them or like calls them in um and there's there's a little bit like it's a different thing like what makes you so um, passionate and good at the product side of it, the execution, understanding it, framing it up, it, making measurable improvement, et cetera, is a different skill set than the one that you're talking about. Now you had some of it naturally in you, but did you go about it in a um, in an intentional way? And if so, what were some of the things you leaned on? Um, so there's definitely a couple coincidences I would say that that happened, and um, one of them was there was a recognition that I could get up in front of people and communicate like at a natural level that was not well refined, but it was, I didn't, I never had that fear. I've never, you know, been afraid of public speaking or anything. 
Was I great at it when I first started? Absolutely not. I was probably pretty terrible. But uh, there was uh, a bit of an investment from my my leadership at the time and put me through uh, one of the corporate um, trainings on public speaking because I was interested in that and everything. And that really set the stage. I can't tell you I remembered any of the distinct skills that I remember, but what I do remember was that there was this structured approach to building an argument, to building a, a presentation or a talk. And that's what I needed. That, that was the bit of information to say, look, there is an organized way. People don't just get up on stage like Steve Jobs or Guy Kawasaki or any of these guys and, and just stand up there and just jabber on. And then like everybody applauds, them. like they put some sort of structure to it. So that was like, it was a whole set of little sparks like that, that got me going. I totally agree with you. It is, I find it day in, day out, especially in the technical side is, you know, folks that are highly technical don't, don't always step into the realm of getting up in front of people and communicating. And I know that's becoming a little bit more popular nowadays because it's, it's something that's in high demand. But I, I would say that with the naturalness that I had and, you know, benefit of having just amazing leaders, I've been very, very, very fortunate in that regard. Like I was always super obsessive with the technical side, figuring out the product, but then I started to gain things like how to build a good story, like how to tell a story. Um, those are all things that, you know, I've, I've had to chip away at over time. And, and I still like, I would hate to think that I even have that closely mastered. Not at all. I mean, there's so many, it is a, a skill set that is really way more complex than people think. Good storytelling is something that is very achievable. You can learn it, but there are, there are people that are really, really good at it that have refined it over 30 years, 40 years, and, and still could make improvements. So, yeah, I haven't been as studious about that as I feel like I could, should, would have, um, mm -hmm. For the, I already have a couple ideas about it, but I'd love to hear any of your thoughts on why is it so important in this in this field in particular, or really any of them that come to mind. You know, you're talking about demos, you're talking about measurable outcomes, you're talking about some really practical logistical industries or aspects of industries. Why is it so important to have a human being? who can jump on a call or jump on a stage and talk to other human beings about it. Like, it oh. seems like, like there's so many other ways it could be done. Like marketing teams are building content and salespeople are maybe doing demos. Like what is unique about this opportunity? Why is it so important? Yeah. So you're hitting on a topic that I, I, I clued into about two years ago, really like in the last year, I've kind of made it a, a front and center aspect of, of how I approach my job and, and my role. I really, especially in the, in the data science and AI stuff coming on, there's so much automation. And, and the company I work with is all about automation. It is the coolest thing. When, when I, if I allow myself to nerd out sometimes, I think being able to take really, really complex landscapes of things, data and analytics and and all this and automate it's amazing that by itself but we can't let go of the human aspect of it i really think that the human ability to use technology to use these new capabilities is the magic right 
it's not the fact that we can build a bot that's going to do all this stuff by itself. It's the fact that humans came up with this in the first place and their ability to have these creative, wild, zany ideas um, and put these things into, into the world, into fruition. Like that's where the, the magic lies. But I also, so that's one aspect. But if I kind of bring in one other aspect is all my, you know, I, I could like create a demo that's just a, a screencast and I'm just showing a screen, I'm dragging and dropping stuff. And that has a certain level of value. But you and I getting on a call and talking through it, I'll show you some stuff. I'll talk through you. You see my face. I see your face. For whatever reason, you know, and there's probably lots of psychologists who could explain in great detail the reasons, but that hits home. That makes, it connects us. It makes us feel certain things, you know, the emotional side of it. And so I'm really, really a huge proponent of this emotional side of analytics and data science. It's, you know, there, there's something there. There's some that I can't honestly tell you I have it all figured out, but that's where the human aspect of, of everything becomes really kind of interesting to watch and play out. Yeah. I won't take up your time or listeners time on this call, but I have, there's these two books behind me are filled with a lot of the psychology behind that. Uh, right. it's, it's really, it's a, it's a passion of mine personally. It's been a privilege to really explore and teach those themes and topics around the concept of video email and video messaging, but they apply to all of these situations. Um, at the risk of going a little bit far afield, but to stay alongside this kind of, we can never forget or or even diminish the human aspect of all of this. Share any thoughts that come to mind when I say uh, it's called data science, but I in analytics, but I assume that there is both art and science involved. Um, is there an art side to some of this, and how, and does that share in your mind any kinship to the human side of it? Yeah, actually, I, I'm I'm one of the, you know, many proponents that um, there is a lot of creative aspects to data science, AI, those ideas, like how those things work, are completely creative endeavors. Like they do not start just by a, a one and a zero, you know, or or some program. There has to be some creative thought that happens to this that pushes it into existence. So the foundation of it is artistic in, in general. Like there's that that's, I don't want to go as far as that's, you know, the, the one and only, but I think the, the science part is trying to, you know, follow the scientific method and, and understanding that there's this, that we can ask these questions and then we can go and and through a, a set of process, we can try to answer them in a reliably repeatable way. But there has to be it has to be infused with the creative thought and, and the creative endeavor and um, you know that artistic expression sometimes comes through. There's there's lots of examples of that as well. But um, I I think there's something that we just you know it's there the whole time. I don't think it's been a focus item because frankly, when you see stuff that you know Chat GPT or any of these amazing technologies that are coming out are doing like everybody's kind of hyper focused on the technology but you're not thinking behind the scenes that someone had a creative thought about what if we could do this what if you know these two technologies we put together could could end up being coming uh, a robot that that does something for us like to me that's pretty exciting and i never lose sight of that part 
Hey, thanks for listening to Chief Evangelist. For so many reasons, podcasting is a great opportunity and channel for evangelism. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to shift production and promotion to a team that's especially evangelist friendly, check out ringmaster.com. Their Connect Engage Scale program is designed for evangelist powered podcasting for software and tech companies in the growth stage. Again, you can learn more at ringmaster.com. They're also the team behind this podcast. Speaking of chief evangelist, let's get back to it. Yeah, I, in the way I've been talking about that dynamic a little bit is, um, I think of it like a musical instrument. Like the a guitar is cool; it looks nice hanging on a wall or something, but it's real magic is when someone picks it up and plays. And I think the same thing about the art of prompting something, and and re, and reprompting, et cetera. Like there's an art to it, and the people that do it well are the people that approach it um, with creativity because the it's not going to give you anything on its own. Uh, at the risk of moving out of what I enjoy. I, I've really enjoyed kind of this this dwelling a little bit in the philosophical aspects of this. You mentioned that let, let's get into the role itself and how it's shaped for you. You mentioned that you are in the product organization. Yep. Um, you've mentioned some of the channels that you operate in. So before we get into like what mediums, what channels, like what does the work like look like? What does output look like? How do you know you're being successful in it? Answer this for me. Like what was going on for you? or for Alteryx, or specifically for the product organization? Like, what were they trying to solve in bringing you in as a principal evangelist turned chief evangelist? Like, um, oh, and maybe, now I'm asking two separate questions in the same question, as yeah. I often do. The transition from uh, principal evangelist to chief evangelist would be a fun drive-by as well. But like, yeah. what is the product organization from a an operational, functional outcome standpoint trying to achieve by saying, I know, let's appoint an evangelist? Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot to unpack in that one. So the role that I had previous to, to coming to Alteryx, I was leading the the world's largest deployment of Alteryx at, at this company and um, had tons of, of users. Um, the interesting part of it was that that really kind of bookended a little bit of my experience with Alteryx in that I understood at one level how individual users use the product and and from a whole variety of ways because Alteryx is, is one of these tools that just has unbelievable amounts of capability in in the data analytics space um and, and so much so that i you know i often use this as a soundbite is that you know even myself has been you know one of the alteryx aces which is is our kind of global super users um and and having done it nonstop for basically 11 to 12 years um i probably figured out or used 50 to 75 percent of the capability only like there's so much more that I, I mean, every day I get to see something that I never even in my wildest dreams would have come up with because my creativity doesn't land in, in that realm, but, you know, seeing it through other people's eyes. Um, so that that's one thing now. So I had this pretty decent background, both in depth from Alteryx point of view, but also at scale. And this is a really important topic when it comes to, to Alteryx because we, you know, we we now have cloud, uh, Alteryx Analytics Cloud, which is an amazing, amazing innovation. Um, and so 
I needed to really understand Alteryx at a user level, all the way up to how does the world's largest organizations use Alteryx as well to, to do this. And so if we kind of tie it back to the evangelism aspect is, I need to be able to understand and communicate that concepts or that construct, if you will, to all these other customers and say, look what's possible and, and really kind of get them excited about it. I, obviously, I was already excited about it. But now, when we talk about kind of becoming principal evangelist, um, my current boss and, and his boss, um, they had they came from a previous company, which I, I won't name out, but they, uh, you know, they had already kind of implemented this idea of an evangelist. Um, and it was, you know, evangelism is a, I would argue in analytics, you know, you look across big companies like AWS and, and Google and, and stuff, there's, there's evangelists out there and various flavors of them. You'll hear like tech evangelists, product evangelists, all that sort of thing. Um, and so they had already kind of implemented this at another company and saw a lot of great results. And so they, you know, went to look for it and they, they really, what I think they did, you know, trying to take myself out of this picture for a second, just to be a, um, a bit objective here. What they really were going after was someone who has the technical chops to, to handle the product um, at, a, at a deep level, but also could communicate in one form or another. And that's not necessarily the easiest thing to find all the time. And I and I, I I'm very fortunate to to be in, put myself in that bucket is that I I believe I can communicate a little bit and I believe I have you know some brain capacity for technical uh technical aptitude. And so that combination was is is really the I would say almost a demanded foundation for an, a good evangelist. Now whether we become great or not is a, is a whole nother argument, but just the foundation needs to be someone who who has the and the technical chops can can be relatively applicable to where it is. It, and I'm remember I'm talking mostly about from a product evangelist point of view, but I would say the premium is higher on a technical evangelist because kind of expected to be a technical guru on that. Um, and be able to communicate. So that was the the stepping stone into prevent, uh, a principal evangelist role. Uh, but now we start to think about how do we scale this? It can't be just, you know, the Joshua show or or the Ethan show or the Guy Kawasaki show. Like there has to be this element of how do we make this almost like a, a, a an organization that is within a company that could produce results in this landscape at a scalable in a scalable manner right so um do we how do we do that as a function how do we think about this from an organizational point of view where does that fit how do they you know continually provide value um and how do they they grow and expand to become better as a as a organizational function so that's i think the the interesting where my head's at right now is you know looking at People like Guy Kawasaki and, and others who have been around the block a little bit and have some perspectives on what that means to an organization. You know? In the context of where you are now, let's just set teams aside uh, and maybe maybe we'll reconnect uh, whenever the appropriate time is to talk about how you uh, designed and implemented a team. Um, 
what are good results for you now? And, and, and you can approach this one way you could approach this either, you know, what are, what, what have you agreed with uh, some of the leaders around you as these are some of the things we're going to look for as signs of success, or these are the things I'm going to get done. And, or um, you could take it really even specifically, like you wrote a book uh, that's coming out uh, from O'Reilly. Um yeah. Uh, you mentioned demos. You mentioned uh, speaking. I don't know if you did that in this con- context, but I know that you speak a lot, um, yeah. as you have in this conversation. So, um, however you want to approach it, like, what does success look like? How do you know that you're successful? And, and I guess because everyone wonders this, who's in the role or thinking about implementing it, how does the organization? Um, how demanding is the organization on a specific measurable outcome or is it one of trust and vision? Yeah. Uh, so probably the best question there is for an evangelist, because I would argue it, it's the single question that will put you on your toes. It makes you nervous because it should, right? It is a, and it should, because it's a, a fairly nebulous sort of um, perspective that that is sometimes hard to measure and and I'll there are aspects to that you can measure um to know that you're 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 uh you're doing something positive and, and I'll give you a couple of examples in a sec but like there is no you know like sales there's a sales number marketing there's you know uh, some sort of return um you know finance obviously like there's all these organizational kind of feedbacks uh, feedback loops that that say, "Hey, we're on the right track. We're we're making our sales number. We're cutting our costs. You know, these are things that are very strong and, and blatant and, and very clear that can be good measuring sticks." In evangelism, there, frankly, I would argue there isn't, but there are doors open to be creative about it. No, and I'll make it more specific now. So one of the things that I do is I give presentations to customers and mostly large customers. Um, and, and the, the assumption is that I'm going for impact, right? I, I want my role has to have a fairly significant level of impact to a customer. And so part of that opens the, the doors to what, what, what do I think is highly impactful to a customer, knowing all the stuff that I've done, my, my role as a, you know, a technical person, uh, expert, if you will, um, consulting, all that stuff. Like, what, what do I bring back and say, oh, I know this one, this one topic or this theme or this idea is going to be very important for this customer. Um, and then where, where do the sales folks that I'm working with or the, the product leaders or, you know, any of the, any of the people I'm working with, uh, in inside Alteryx or outside that are going to help me validate the level of impact. If I have a 30-minute meeting with a customer and that leads them to a significant amount of spend, there's there's a level of impact in there that that could be essentially can be measured, is where I'm getting at. Now, if I get up in front of 3,000 customers and do a keynote that will have the same level of impact on each of those individuals. Now you're thinking more, okay, holy, holy smokes. Now there's a level of impact that is orders of magnitude higher. And so that's where my mind's always at. My mind's always at like, am I going to influence 
positively a landscape of, of customers that, that will either change their mind, right? They'll, they'll either be like, oh, I didn't know that Alters could do this. I didn't think that this was capable. But now after hearing Joshua, like, perfect. We, I'm, I've changed their mind. I've got them thinking about Alters. Or they, the sales play, right? They're, they're going through and saying, hey, you know, we think Alters is great and everything. We're just not, not sure. And if I can come and be the wind that literally tips them over um, and gets them to, to engage and, and to, to become a customer, there's impact. Like that's all stuff that potentially has numbers with it. But when you're speaking to 3,000 people, 4,000 people, like, can you measure that exactly? Probably not. Um, but at, at the end of the day, like the number one thing I, I would argue, at least from my perspective, and I'm, you know, learning just as much as everybody else, but it's always being hell-bent on impact, positive impact, you know, and and making making that strike. Um, I, I just think depending on your organization, your level of, of sophistication, um, how well is the data and analytics in your company, you might have some levers that can help you to better me uh, measure those those level of impacts. The the last thing I'll just put out there is I am really, really big and I am kind of to the point of ad nauseum is like, I always, after everything I do, I'm like, okay, give me feedback. Tell me, did, did I make the impact that I thought I would? Did I, did that go well? How do you think it went? Because I'm, you know, one person and I can only think through that through my own eyes. And I might think it was the greatest thing since sliced bread, but the you know, the customer or the, the salesperson might be like, yeah, not so much, you know, or they might say the reverse. I might've think I completely threw it away where they're like, you know what? That was the greatest. That was exactly the thing I needed to, to make this, this move. So perfect. Exactly. Right. Love it. Uh, talk about the, sh uh, the, the trust element. I mean, you broke that down really nicely. I think you framed it up in a way that people that are thinking about implementing a function like this can and should be thinking about it. Are you in an environment um, where, you know, these two people you described before, they they did it before, it was successful before, you're checking enough of the boxes, they trust you enough, they yeah. have validated some of the impact that you're delivering or they've heard other people validate it. Um, yeah. Or are you actually like in the weeds and kind of like tallying things up and creating reports and all of that? Are, are you like in a, we trust that this is working and because they know you and they trust you and you're constantly looking for that feedback and everyone that's worked with you knows that you're constantly probing for feedback and they know your work ethic and your focus and your determination around it. Or are you also doing the tallying? I'd say it's a a, a blend of both. I've had conversations with our, our chief product officer um, and just say, Hey, look, I got real thick skin, you know, former Marine. I, I, uh, I can, I can take any sort of good or bad feedback. And, and I try to make that abundantly clear all over the place. Like, Hey, just, I, I, here's what I'm going for. I'm trying to go with high impact. If I'm not hitting that mark, then let me know. And I, I, you know, I know that's hard. I recognize that's difficult for some people, but that is foundational to what I'm doing because I don't have all the numbers that I would like to be able to say, oh, look, I, you know, it was above 10 million. All right, we're good. It, I, I need to do that some other ways. Now, having said that, 
I'm also big, like when I get a customer email that says, hey, you know, Joshua did great and this is what we needed, something to that effect, as is almost uh, both simple and like, you know, silly as it sounds, I put that to a kudos folder and I save those. And I save those because one, it lets me know that I'm still on track and I'm still doing it. Like even when I have my my moments where I'm like, oh, I just don't, don't think I hit the mark on this one. I can go back and, and see that I'm I'm getting there. The other part is the conversation I have with my boss is very open and candid, where you know I'm constantly look, hey, did I did I get here? Did I am I am I on the spot? And it sounds like it's a very uh, you know, um funny conversation from the point of like, hey, am I doing a good job? Am I doing a good job? You know, it's it's not that at all. It's is this specific action that I took, is this presentation that I had with this customer, did that do what people thought it would do? So it's this fine tuning that I'm constantly going after that sometimes results in positive feedback. Sometimes it comes back with constructive feedback. And I like both. I, I'm, I don't get my feelings hurt to be candid about constructive feedback. I know that's good. I got something to work on and improve. Um, but I, I do, you know, I do keep all that feedback and try to build a story about where where I, I think things are going. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Sounds like a, what a lot of folks uh, who've been, been kind enough to give me time in these conversations as you have, have landed. Like I have a whole bunch of evidence if anyone wants it for my own benefit, but also for anyone who needs or wants it. Um, and then I do appreciate your... Um, you're constantly seeking feedback in an explicit manner, not like, hey, if you have any thoughts to share, share them. It's yeah. very sure. direct. Um, one more kind of like logistical question. I mean, you're engaging with people on multiple teams. You're engaging, I'm sure, with prospects as well as customers. Um, how do you operate in, how big is the organization and and how do you operate internally? Like, can people schedule you or do you like raise, does the, does the you know, the head of sales just know that, uh, you know, they can engage you? Like, how, how do you actually get involved in some of these things just from a logistical standpoint? Because I assume it's a pretty big organization yeah. um, and it could get complicated. And I'm sure this is also part as you start thinking about the logistics of what if there were four of me um, kind of thing. So like right. to, the, to the degree you can and to the degree it's not too boring for you to walk out, like what are the logistics of the way that you engage with product, that you engage with sales, that you engage with account managers or CSMs or whatever you call them? Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually a really interesting uh, dynamic that's played out over time. When I was a consultant, a good number, we're talking more than five years ago, and I was basically flying all over the country, U.S., um, doing training, Alteryx trainings, and, and working on these projects, I was constantly interfacing with sales folks. And so, you know, I built really good relationships. And this is where one of the things that I, I kind of want to add to the feather in the cap of, of evangelism is relationships have, have to be in the top three most important things, communication being out there, and then the skill. Those relationships have paid off hundred times over, easily, exponentially, um, because every relationship that I build is a constant funnel of activity that I is basically doors opening for me to be able to create impact. So there's sales guys that I'm 
or, or saleswomen that I've worked with for five, six, seven years now who they, they know me. They know, okay, hey, we have this situation. Let's get Joshua because that, that can um, be a really good uh, moment for us. It, it could be something that he's very, you know, maybe he's talking about how to scale Alteryx or something. That, that's great. Um, the, the other thing is that I do a, a decent amount of promotion, if you will. I hate saying it that way, but um, I make sure that I'm connecting with all these people through, throughout the organization. And I interface with pretty much everybody um, that, you know, organizationally. So obviously very in tune with executives, but more so, um, you know, connect with all the uh, sales reps, as many as I can to be like, Hey, where can I help you? You know, and there, there's a constant need for it. There's a constant need that um, is, you know, really the, um, it's like an in-between ground between, okay, we can do a sales presentation. We can do the sales engineering part of it. We can do, um, you know, the, the CSM, we have amazing CSMs. Um, and we, we've got all these landscapes covered when it comes to how do we approach our customers. But there's these other places that just, you know, I can basically create a spark or I can help to to influence. And, and maybe I even have previous relationships with some of these customers because I've you know, been doing it long enough. So there's all these ways that I'm constantly trying to talk to CSMs and sales engineers and um, all, all the entire sales team. And across the world, like we, Alteryx is in, in uh, all over the world, from Australia to to uh, South Africa to to Europe and everything. So um, it's constant reaching out. Part of it, though, too, is when you when you do hit the mark, I would argue that you know that spreads itself. So you know, it's the quintessential do good work, and everybody will find out about it. Like that that has some truth to it, um, where you know, the first year I, I mostly dealt with um, U.S. sales folks, but now I've you know, done trips to Mexico and do trips to Europe and India and, and a bunch of other places to to have you know a global impact, which is great. But I would also tie this back into our previous uh, topic: is this is where it's the organization is now convinced that evangelism is something of great value, that it cannot be the Joshua show or, or Ethan show or whatever. Like it has to be an organizational play. And now it's time to build a team and it's, it's time to say, okay, here's, here's how one person did it. Let's, let's figure out how we do this as a team. Do we start to focus on stuff? Do we, do we just create more and more evangelists? Like those are all topics that I think are for another podcast, but like, those are the the team dynamics of evangelism is super, super interesting to me right now. Yeah, I've got a gentleman lined up. I haven't, we haven't scheduled yet, but we're going to start having this team conversation more often because uh, I think you're maybe the third or fourth person to raise it where it hasn't happened yet, but it has happened for somebody in the past or it's where you want to go. Um, and I think it is a really important idea. Um, your title is unique. It's not common nor is mine, chief evangelist. So I'm sure you have people ask you about it. And let's just set like family yeah. and friends aside on this one and say when a leader or an executive 
or a founder approaches you and asks you about the the role and the function, um, or and or um, separately or instead, when an aspiring evangelist uh, approaches you, um, what are some of the follow up questions you have for them, or so some of the, some advice you might have for someone that's ex- uh, considering implementing this role or function in their organization and or is being called into it or wants to create the opportunity for themselves. Yeah. I, oh, it's always the funnest topic. Like whenever it's like, it's always that, that awkward pause after they've read your title, like chief evangelist. And you know, the first thing they're thinking, like, let's just, you know, the, the elephant in the room is like, they think it's the, the religious sort uh, where, you know, I'm, I'm going to preach to them and, and, uh, which is not totally untrue, right? Like, right. It isn't untrue. It is. I give me a soapbox. I got things to say. It, it's really that. So, like, I, I, I kind of find it quite. I, I like to play with. I like to have fun. Obviously, uh, super, you know, positive. But um, I, I always cater it to the person that's asking, and so I'll, I'll, you know, not really in a sales way, but I'll qualify it. So, you know, if an exec is asking it. I'm going to show them from a organizational point of view, like why is evangelism as a thing so important? And so my conversation line will go that way. But if it's, you know, someone who's really obsessive about the product, this is actually one of the the largest challenges I specifically have as the chief evangelist at Alteryx is there are thousands of customers who are raging, raging fans. Like they love Alteryx. They will scream it off, you know, off every mountaintop there is. They're hyper, you know, obsessive as me, which is fantastic, but it's super challenging, like, because there, there's so many potential evangelists that, you know, really it's, okay, I got to up my game, right? I got to come to, you know, I got to come to work on on uh, on high every time and because it's it's like, how how do I make sure that we're we're tapping into all that energy and all that passion and all that, that folks, how do we tap, how do we make that valuable for, for everybody we're talking to? Um, so when I talk to uh, people who want to get into evangelism um, and maybe they're, you know, technical, maybe they're uh, maybe they've, you know, product person or whatever, like a hundred different ways till Sunday. I really focus on the, the, those two simple, I try to break things down simply. I say, Hey, do you have the technical competency to be, you know, toe to toe with any other user? And and that's sometimes makes people uncomfortable, but there has to be a level where like, yeah, I'm, I'm decent. You know, I don't go around saying I'm the, you know, God's gift to, to all tricks. There are people that are way smarter than me on that, but I'd like to believe that I'm. You did write the book on it for what that's worth. I know that's, that's hard to get away with. Right. Uh, but like there is an element where you have to come and say, yeah, I think I'm pretty decent, right? And I, I'm able to hold my own. Perfect. Now, where it really like where the evangelism really starts to kind of peek through and shine and, and become something that like, yeah, you're probably one that wants to go after it is your inability to shut up. You know, your inability to like not tell everybody. like. I mean, it's, that has to be there. And I'm not saying that like it should be forced or anything, but there should be this feeling like this is so awesome. I want all my friends to know about it, you know? And I, and I have, you know, I have no problem 
telling all my friends or all my coworkers or all my potential customers about it. Um, but there has to be a little bit of that element in there to be like, I want to show you how cool this thing is. And, and that I've never been able to turn off if I tried, right? Like it's, it's always like, you're not going to believe this. You got to see this, you know, that sort of, sort of play. Um, and that, that's really like, again, try to approach everybody within the context that they, you know, called reading the room, right? Read the room, figure out where, where they're going to understand it, because this is one of the unique dynamics of our role as chief evangelists is there are 50 different understandings of what we do and each one of them are correct. Yeah. So good. And it's, it's, it's become so true through all these conversations. Every one of them takes on a, a different style. Uh, I had Bill Sherman who uh, is deep in thought leadership uh, on episode 14 and uh, I was talking with him recently um, after that recording, and I was talking to him about how thought leadership, like what's the state of thought leadership, and it really is a lot like the state of chief of uh, of the chief evangelist, which is the roles are typically created around the person, mm. right? It's not like we have an idea for a role, so let's post the role. It's this messy zone that we've been talking about all along, the art side of it, the human side of it, that we can't quite measure it side of it of, and, and the, just the way you expressed it there was so good. This like the thing that shines through yeah. that, you know, it, when you see it, but you can't, you can't quiz someone around it. You know, right. like you can't, there's no, you know, there's yeah. no obvious technical, you just feel it when you feel it, you see it, when you see it, you know, it, when you see it, um, this, this person has it for this concept, for this product, yeah. um, for this challenge, for this opportunity. So good. Um, I'm going to close with one of my favorite questions, uh, which is Joshua, what is something that you find yourself evangelizing in your own personal life, or perhaps have even been accused of evangelizing by someone close to you? Oh, uh, so it's the raging optimism. It's that I, uh, I've gotten called out for having toxic positivity, right? Like I, I just am, a, I'm a positive guy but in a very practical sense i don't really um think that everything in life is absolutely flawlessly perfect but i think we have a lot of say into how we approach it and how we believe it and, and you know how we handle our, our toughest challenges and from my side i just tend to approach it very positively and like can do attitude hey we're gonna get through this no worries and and i so I'm constantly kind of pushing that agenda, you know, with friends, family, and, and coworkers. It's just like, show up, have fun. You know, you, you'll, if anybody wants to follow me on LinkedIn, I mean, you'll see this. I have a happy fun, uh, fun Friday post I do every week where I'm hitting that nerve. Right? I want people, sometimes it's like, hey, wear your swag, you know, wear your best t-shirt. Let's, let's have some fun. Like, you know, I really think that we can do all this stuff. We can have a tremendous amount of impact. We can, you know, really go after some really big challenges, but we can have all the fun in the world to do it. And so I, I usually try to push that. So good. And it's so contagious. Uh, I've enjoyed this conversation. I had probably 15 questions as sub questions. I was like, I just, I got to keep these under an hour. Yeah, uh, so we'll definitely have another conversation about it. I'm so glad we connected. For folks listening, he is Joshua Burkow, uh, B-U-R-K-H-O-W. Hit him up on LinkedIn. 
Uh, he just invited you to do so. Uh, b- by the way, if people want to learn more about your work, learn more about Alteryx, is there anywhere else, anywhere else you'd send them or send them all to LinkedIn? Yeah, go LinkedIn. If you want to connect, I'm more than happy to, to interface. I love having uh, conversations about it. Um, obviously, Alteryx, A-L-T-E-R-Y-X.com um, if you want to check out Alteryx. And uh, yeah, that, that should work. Awesome. If you're listening this deep into these conversations, he means it. I mean it. I'm Ethan Butte. Last name is B-E-U-T-E. We both are passionate, not just about the products and the concepts uh, that are core to our work, but also, you know, we're obviously passionate about these ideas. And so anyone that's listening 50 or however many minutes we are in here, um, if you want to learn more about evangelism, we're both happy to talk about it. And uh, we're both on LinkedIn. Uh, Joshua, thank you so much for your time. An absolute pleasure. And I will have you back, um, whether or not the team think it's going or whenever it does. That'll be a good one. Awesome. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. My friends, appreciate it very much. That wraps up this episode of Chief Evangelist. Thank you for joining us. And thanks to Ringmaster Conversational Marketing for helping bring these episodes to you. With any thoughts or questions about the Chief Evangelist role, message me on LinkedIn. I'm Ethan Butte, E-T-H-A-N, E-E-U-T-E. For show notes and more of these conversations, visit chiefevangelist.com.